And now a word from one of our Bible Live sponsors. Our company is so proud and excited to sponsor the Bible Live. As a businessman, I have to make decisions every day about how to best invest time, personnel, and resources for the best return and results. The scriptures say there are two things on earth that will last forever, God's Word and the souls of people. It's my hope that you, your family, your church, and perhaps even your business will pray about giving a tax-deductible donation to the Bible Live at this time. Together, let's expand this historic broadcast of the scriptures to other cities across our nation, a sound investment for both time and eternity. You can donate by credit card at the Bible Live website www.thebiblelive.com or mail your check for the Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218 Welcome to the Bible Live Quiz Hour It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year On Sunday nights at 9, join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Sophie will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live. Your Apache Indian scout through the book of books, Sophie Dollar. Thanking you for joining us, as always, as we begin another 90 minutes of uh, discussion of this great book of books. I was just talking with, uh, about the fact that this year, I believe, Jacob, is being declared somewhere by somebody somewhere important, I'm sure, uh, uh-huh, that uh-huh, it is uh, another uh-huh, uh-huh, year of uh-huh. the Bible. That happens about, seems like about maybe 20 years ago, there was a year of the Bible. I, oh. Early on in our reading of the scriptures, it went well, and... Um, so we're making our through, way through this great book. Uh, and you said you were listening to a program this week oh, that yeah. talked about, what yeah, was yeah. the theme of it? Uh, oh, uh, there was an a, a, a English scholar, uh-huh. and he's written a book. I'm going to order the book. Uh-huh. And what he's saying is um, that, uh, and I've always insisted upon this, uh-huh. and any educated person should know this, of course, uh, but... That the American civilization, modern civilization, did not come from the Greeks. It came from the Bible. Right. Because for the first time, the Bible is the one that established freedom. And carrying with that theme, tonight we're supposed to finish the last two chapters of Matthew, so I'll right. let you just run with that. You can run with that bit in your teeth. <laughs> okay, but I'll I, do it gladly. But I want to tell you something. Uh-huh. If I may, before you it'll elucidate or mm-hmm. hallucinate, whatever it is, uh, <laughs> I want to say that uh, it actually... Eradicate. Oh, okay, no, well, no. don't bug me. All right. Um, Okay, well, I have a word, but I'm not going to say because this is a family show. That's right, um, it is. But I will say this, that uh, uh, it does seem, you see, I was I thought this through very carefully. In Israel, they did a movie and a research, a documentary about when was Jesus' birthday. Mm-hmm. And, and I've seen it. You've got to read subtitles to do it. But at any rate, they have determined what I have determined from reading the Christian scriptures, the New Testament, mm-hmm. that his birthday was indeed Passover. How about that? Mm-hmm. Well, now, and of course, we all know that he died on Passover. 
Well, here's the interesting thing, is that I started thinking about it. I thought, you know, of course, when when God gave the, the lamb in Egypt and he brought people out, it's the holiday. Passover is known among the Jews as the holiday of freedom. Mm-hmm. It's freedom. Mm-hmm. Well, you see... When Jesus died on the cross, as the Christian religion explains, what it says is, is that he gave freedom that the Jews had from God. He gave it to the rest of the world. Mm -hmm. And I thought, you know, that's a very important concept. And so the only reason we know he gave, from the Christian perspective, Mm -hmm. gave freedom is because we know what Passover coming out of Egypt was originally about. And I realized, you know, that's fantastic. And then when I was listening to this biblical scholar talking, he was basically saying the same thing, and I thought, you know, this is really, really a neat concept. So the rest of the world um, actually got it from the idea of Jesus being a lamb dying. And mm-hmm. basically the idea, the concept is is uh, that um, uh, he was... Uh, he, he gave freedom from limitations of sin. Right. And uh, what's fascinating is Egypt in Hebrew is the word mitzvahim, which means limitations or boundaries of what? Of sin. of sin. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah, it is. It always has been. I, yeah, yeah th- now that, that we're on top of, uh, Jacob, that we get. I mean, uh, uh, I, I think probably uh, I say a lot of times, and Jacob gets mad at me for saying it. Not, not mad, but he gets a little I, I irritated. I don't get mad. I, I get about. even. Uh, yeah. But my grandfather always told me, remember, you never get ahead by getting even. You know? <laughs> All right. But anyway, I often say that that we, we Gentiles, we don't have the advantage of that perspective that you guys have been nurturing that the Jewish people in, in the, with their Hebrew language, Hebrew culture, Hebrew traditions, Hebrew history, uh, we have to remember that everyone, uh, almost every one of the authors of the Bible, uh, except Obadiah and uh, Habakkuk in the Hebrew Scriptures in the Old Testament, and then uh, except Luke in the New Testament, uh, were Jews. They they. That was their background, and, and the Messiah himself, Jesus himself, is a card-carrying, practicing uh, follower of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, this, there's no doubt about it. They've been reading and studying and working through these scriptures for centuries and centuries and centuries. And, and for us, I think we as Gentiles, and particularly in our generations, our later generations now, we get these wonderful versions in English and um you know, we have the New Living Translation. We have the New American Standard. We've got the, and they're wonderful. Don't ever, don't let anyone say, "Oh, it's terrible." We've gotten away from the, the the original, you know, the King James or whatever. No, these are wonderful. They all of them shed a light, have a perspective, bring us options. Language is not an exact thing. Language is wonderful gift from God, but it's. Boy, it's complex. I, I, I've spoken a, a number of languages in my travels through the years. I love languages. I speak Spanish fluently, uh, a little Italian, Portuguese, uh, French, and uh, some Deutsche uh, Sprachen, a little German. All of these languages, a little Russian I picked up, a little Mongolian actually just over the years. But And languages are incredibly fascinating, how we as human beings talk and words mean, and we can we – can, 
you know, transmit ideas and thoughts and feelings and and just so so much through language. But on the other hand, uh, it, it's not, and maybe for that very reason, it's it's not scientific. I tell you, when you when you start translating from Spanish to English or to another language, there's so many limitations. Uh, both in the uh, parent language that you're translating from, and then you try to pan- translate a per- certain concept or idea or thought or feeling to into another language. And Sophie, you know something? You are so right. In fact, did you know that? And I, I we had lunch this week with uh-huh. somebody, and you two got to meet each other. Yeah, uh, that was a fellow that subbed for you that one time. Right. That professor fellow named Mike. Right. At any rate, so. After you left, he and I talked for a few minutes, and I happened to mention something about language. Uh-huh. There is one word in the Hebrew all over in uh, the Torah and the Tanakh, but mostly the Torah uh-huh. is what I'm talking about, and it is never, ever, ever translated into English. Huh. And isn't that fascinating? Would you like to know what word that is? I think I would. John, we need a second here. Would you like to know? Sure, why not? John said sure. He why seconds not? that emotion. Okay, here it is. <laughs> it's because it's the word et. Et. Now the reason you really don't translate into English is because there's really not an English equivalent. You could fudge one together, I guess. But it really means the original, the authentic, the real one. So when it will say God or El or Elohim, it says et Elohim. Now who made that? It has nothing to do with the et of Latin, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, Latins and the Greeks got all their, all okay, their so written language. Be... They got all their written language from the Jews. Did okay. you know that? Uh, yeah, the Greeks got their alphabet from the Jews. Mm-hmm. At any rate, uh, they had an oral alphabet, but the actual vocabulary as it goes for the alphabet uh, actually came to the Greeks from the Jews. Hmm. At any rate. Uh, you can verify all this online if you like. But anyway, but the point is, there was a guy who made a kind of a little play on this, made a famous movie about it. And uh, it's a fine Irish director named Spielberg. <laughs> and he made, named the movie. I've heard of him. Uh-huh. He made the movie E.T. E.T. The original. That's right. Now, see, all the Jews will catch that, or anybody that picks up on Hebrew. But he's saying it's E.T., but it's actually pronounced et, which means the original, the authentic. So he was making a little play there. You know. I see. By the way, do you know who E.T.'s daddy was? No. I do. Mr. T. <laughs> all right. Well, I, I, I think maybe that... Deserves some kind of a response. Uh, That's all right. Don't don't trouble yourself. Don't trouble yourself. All right, we tried. Okay. Well, listen. Why don't you lay something on us about right. the last couple of chapters? The, of Matthew. Matthew. And the last chapter. Okay. I did want. I did, there was a couple of things I wanted to mention just as we leave this first of the four gospels about uh, Jesus of Nazareth. Now. <clears throat> I, I suppose there's so much. There's some powerful, beautiful verses in the book that, in, in our in our discussions, we often take uh, pick up high points, things that jump out uh, off the page to either one of us. That uh, very interesting passage, and in, in, in particular, you um, you give us some sense of uh, some of the not troublesome areas, uh, but some uh, areas of the scriptures that. Uh, maybe we, we 
wonder about or a little problematic to us and so on, that you give us some background information uh, from Hebrew language, culture, history, and so on. And it really lightens it up to me. For example, when you talked about we as Gentiles, we talk about the Sermon on the Mount. Ah. And to us, that's what it is. Right. Jesus sitting on a hill and he's teaching his disciples and the people of the crowd. He's t- giving these this beautiful sermon. You right, know, the, right. blessed are those who this, blessed yeah. are those who right. blessed. Uh-huh. You know, the, uh-huh. the 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 what do they call the beatitudes, and then uh-huh. and then all the other things. About three or four chapters there. <clears throat> And I've known them my whole life. I've memorized a great part of them. I, you know, they're beautiful to us. We, we think they're wonderful, and, and they are. And, and you, but you were the first trying to ever say to me, "Don't y'all see what that was? Don't you see what he was doing?" And I said, "No, I'm preaching a sermon, right?" And and you were the first one to connected what Jesus was doing in Matthew what five, six, seven there. Yeah. Back to the Hebrew scriptures where it says that the king of of Israel right. is to Teach the Torah every seven years. There to teach the Torah, right. the God's laws to the that people. That is correct. And, and so what here he was doing what, what he's teaching the mm-hmm. the so-called Sermon on the Mount, which there's a fine labeling. Mm-hmm. He's actually teaching the Book of Deuteronomy. If you go back and you look at everything he says, you can tie it into the Book of Deuteronomy by the things he says. And. and See that that to me that's remarkable, and that's that's why we pay you the big bucks, and the, and what you told us Speaking about the, of that. I want to say the last check bounced. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the, remember the Phoenician woman that we talked about last week, and the, the idea of the calling her a dog or whatever, and you helped clarify that. It makes so much perfect sense. So that that is really helpful to us. But sometimes we miss. Would you like to know what the word for that is in Hebrew? Mm-mm. Not the dog, but I'm talking about the the Sermon on the Mountain. Oh, yeah. It's called Hakel. That's right. You've told me that before, but I don't remember every and single And it's word. done, as you say, because it is a law. It's one of the 613 laws that the king must do it. So when he's doing that, uh, Jesus, when he's doing that, he, the Jews understood, the Romans understood. And I believe it, it, it's in chapter 7 when it finishes and it says, He taught with someone with authority. People tend to read that in our modern culture that that means, oh, well, he's talking like God. Uh-huh. No, 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 no. He's talking like the king. That was a declaration to Israel and to the Romans that were listening. I'm declaring myself king, because only the king could teach that. See what I mean? All those are, but sometimes we go through a book, and there's some, you know, there's some beautiful passages too in Matthew, uh, just all along the way. Matthew eleven twenty eight twenty nine. Some of my favorite. Coming to me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. My my burden is easy. Uh, I just I just, I've always loved that because it, I found a great deal of rest, spiritual rest, body, mind, and spirit in Christ as Savior. And so I, I, that to me is a gorgeous verse. And there's so many others really uh, the worthy of being memorized and, and remembered. Uh, so we don't sometimes get to do that. But I would say about Matthew, about Jesus the King, Matthew presents Jesus in his he is his claims to be the Messiah, the Redeemer, the Savior, and the, the King of Israel, the people of God. And uh, I, I think I would just emphasize, folks, if you want, if you want to get your Christ, if you want to 
take out your your Christology, uh, and I, I know I'm talking. This is kind of a big word, but you when you think about theology, we've got uh, you've got Christology, you've got the epistemology about the Holy Spirit, you've got the mm, angelology, uh, anthropology. The, should, should you be using those kind of words? On yeah, the air? yeah, a family show. Yeah. Uh, but when you think about your Christology, that the idea is there is to get in your mind. What it was like to be Jesus. What was his experience? What was his existence like? And uh, so many, I think, in our culture essentially have an idea when it says that the Word became flesh, you know, Christ became incarnate, took on flesh, God himself became a man. Uh, so many of us have, you know, we, we struggle with that concept. How does that happen? How does how does God fit into, you know, a human body become a man, and um, we generally have adopted the idea, the Superman kind of theory that that he he pretended to be Clark Kent, you know, on the outside, kind of a bumbling, spectacle, uh, uh, glass wearing guy, you know, his spectacles, and he was kind of bumbling and so on and so on. But he always knew, you know, the bullets are going to bounce off of him, and he's got that blue suit with the red S on the front of it. You know, he's. And so we have a kind of a Superman philosophy. I speaking with a man this week that was talking, a mature believer, godly man, someone I respect and, and, and know and love as a brother in Christ. And he said, well, that's the way I see it. I think he, Jesus always knew he was God. Even when he was a two-week-old baby, he knew he, you know. And I'm thinking, that's just how does that work that we think a two-year-old baby is aware of the fact that he's the the eternal uh, ever existent uh, son of the living God. You know, I mean, and, and I, th- I think what I would just emphasize, and and look, I'm not saying this. Uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm not saying this in a harsh way, but I'm saying for your consideration, I would encourage you take a look at the scriptures, take a look at the the gospels of Jesus, and with the idea. That he is truly and entirely and wholly and completely a man. From the time he was a fertilized egg on the wall of Mary's womb to the time he died on the cross, he was he was a human being with the consciousness and awareness of a of a you know diaper pooping, crying little baby, then a toddler, then this, and just a normal little Jewish boy. There were two things about him that were were very uh, important. One is he did not have, uh, because he was conceived by the Holy Spirit, uh, he did not have the inherent, irresistible, irrevocable tendency to sin and selfishness. He was like the first Adam. He was born without a sin nature. And so he, he, as he grew, he didn't have that irresistible tendency to rebel and resist and, and uh, put forth self. Uh, and then the other thing, though, is that he did have his mom, his dad. He had the angels. I mean, he knew about the angels, the shepherds. He had the synagogue. He had the scriptures. He had these Hebrew scriptures that we've been talking about, and he knew them. They, you know, he studied them. He was in the synagogue early as a child, and everything added up. What his mom and dad told him about the angel Gabriel and the shepherds and the star, it was all right there in the scriptures. And then when he looked at all the other passages in, the, in Deuteronomy and the other books of the Tanakh. He saw the Messiah. He saw this born in Bethlehem of the lineage of David, and on and on and on. And he he began. He saw clearly that it's true. That is me. I I do fit. And I believe personally, as a 
as a believing, just as a, a boy, age 8, 9, 10, 11, at least by the age 12, he had a clear intent and understanding of who he was. Not entirely. There were still things he learned. He continued to grow in wisdom and favor with God and man. But he knew he, his identity, his primary identity, he came to understand that, that he must be about his father's business, and he wouldn't talk about Joseph in the carpentry shop. So uh, I just want to put that out for your consideration, a better understanding of the Christology that that Jesus was indeed the perfect man of faith. He did not come to planet Earth. He did not lay, Paul says in Philippians 2, he laid off, voluntarily left off the free exercise of his divine prerogatives, initiatives, authority, and power as God. He didn't stop being God ever, but he laid aside voluntarily those prerogatives and initiatives and the authority as God and humbled himself under the mantle of humanity, uh, being a man, obedient, under the mantle. He walked by faith and trust and total dependence upon God, as we must do. And and he walked out by God's enabling, the power of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he walked out the walk of a perfect man of faith uh, and became what the, Paul, again, the New Testament calls the last Adam. He became, he successfully did what the first Adam was unable to do. In that he took upon himself, he then he who knew no sin, perfect man of faith, trust, and obedience to the Father, then he took upon the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He took our sin upon himself. I just want to suggest that to you now as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and, and so on, and begin to think of Jesus in that way, and I, I can tell you what will happen. You'll, your admiration for who he was and what he accomplished on our behalf will soar to the heavens. Uh, it, it's just a, he did it. He did it, folks. He he successfully did. And then when he had conquered uh, sin in, in every way, then he laid down his life on our behalf uh, to purchase our redemption. And so he in that role of Messiah – uh, now, he is the eternal Son of God from eternity to eternity, but in that role of Messiah, he also became and, and earned himself the right to be the Messiah, the firstborn of the twice-born. He is the, just as just as Adam is the prototype for the human race, Adam and Eve, uh, biologically, Jesus now is the prototype of the new race of the redeemed. Uh, he is uh, the firstborn of the twice-born, and we now... It is his spiritual DNA that flows through our lives spiritually that we we are living out here. Uh, now we you know we're sons of Adam and Eve. We have bodies. We have you know the same. We have that sin nature that we inherited and so on. But we've been born again. We have become a new creation in Christ. And it is that spiritual DNA of Jesus the Messiah that flows in our lives. That's what they talk well, about. That certainly was a good summary of the of last Christ. two chapters of well, Matthew. Yeah, Boy, well, I got to tell you. I wanted to put it I in there because. I read that, and I've never seen those verses, that explanation in there. That's good so far. Well, uh, thank you. Well, I, I wanted to tell you that, That was folks. the last two chapters like I've never heard. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's all there, and I just want to put it out. I know it's a little unusual, and some of you are out there scratching your heads and go, man, what's happened to Soapy? Is he gone off the edge there? Is he getting radical? Is he some kind of a weird theology? No, this is not weird or strange. This is orthodox biblical Christianity. Uh, it's just that we don't hear that a lot. Uh, we're not. We don't. 
we kind of take uh, the, the the incarnation and the person of Christ, and our, our Christology is not really. It's enough for us that? to know he died on the cross. Word? He purchased our redemption. You ever and, thought about that word incarnation? Yes, I, yeah. I have a lot. Yeah. Well, you know, to me, that just really means he's in the meat. <laughs> That's right. He's in meat. The, it, it reminds me of the word became flesh, you know, the oh, idea and dwelt among us in, in the Gospel of John. But anyway, I want to put that out there. And, and, folks, you can take it there and read your Gospels and kind of take it with that idea in mind and see if it doesn't make things just so – there are some – particularly some passages that become so much clearer – and see if your admiration for who Jesus was and what he accomplished and that he did it. And when he said it is finished, I mean, what he had, what he had accomplished when he said that uh, is just astounding uh, what he accomplished on our behalf. So anyway, that's Matthew. And we finish up the book of Matthew with uh, uh, the the. You know the crucifixion of Jesus. He goes out into the Garden of Gethsemane, and uh, uh, he is arrested. He put through that that terrible, terrible night of suffering and going from one courtroom to another, and then he is uh, crucified. And he, all he had already announced, he had already told his disciples what was going to happen to him. He walked into this intentionally. Uh, remember that he, he, he said to his disciples, "Don't you know that he was on the cross and he, he was going to be crucified?" He said, "Don't you know I could call ten thousand angels?" So he had that power. He was God, but he didn't step out of that role of faith and trust and obedience and submission to the Father's will. And he said, "I could call ten thousand angels, but that would have eliminated from being our Savior, our Redeemer." So he stayed it. He stayed under the yoke of. Of, of of faith and trust and submission, obedience to the Father on our behalf, and then He who knew no sin became sin for us. So we, you see, these wonderful passages of in his crucifixion, Psalm twenty two, My God, My God, why have you forsaken me? And we see His resurrection there. I think we could we could leave Matthew. Uh, I love coming back to the Gospels, but let's go back to the book of Numbers tonight. Well, we're out where I hear music. Yeah, that's right. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, now Numbers and Deuteronomy. We're going to pick those so up. So we'll the pick tonight. up uh, Numbers after the break. When we come back. Uh, yes, sir. First thing we'll do is tell why it's called the book of Numbers, all right? Why it's miscalled. Yeah. Don't go away, folks. This is the Bible Live. We'll be right back. Nothing else could help. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Dr. Stan Shelton with offices at Loop 410 and Broadway has taken care of the Dollar family that's Suzanne and me plus our three children for the past 25 years. Suzanne, tell the folks about our dentist. Well, like you say, Dr. Shelton is a dentist for a lifetime. He's got the latest technology. He's busy, but I've never had to wait. And I never dread going to the dentist. In fact, he and his staff are so personable that I actually rather enjoy it. Go to DrShelton.com or call 590-7878. All things bright and beautiful. All creatures great and small. All things wise and Each little bird that sings, 
You're listening to the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Oh, we are back. Ready to get started. Another half hour segment of our program. We're going to move now back to the Hebrew Scriptures, back to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, and then what we call the Book of Numbers. We're still in what is called the, the Torah. The first five books of the Old Testament are the books are written by Moses, believed and understood to be written by Moses during the, I guess, during the 40-year journey, right? Uh-huh. Uh, as they wandered in the wilderness. You haven't learned about the 40-year journey yet. We haven't read about it yet. They come out of Egypt. They've been camped at the base of Mount Sinai, uh, Genesis, Exodus, and, and they've been getting their instructions. Uh, God is doing some nation building, instructing them, guiding them. They have the Ten Commandments. They're getting the other laws that will govern and guide them. They have now the, the tabernacle has been constructed and they're giving the marching instructions. Time is for them to move on up now into the promised land. Right, Jacob? That's right. That was, and if I remember correctly, the right number, I understand that it was only – I know I know. later on, Elijah makes the trip from, from uh, Israel down to Mount Sinai in three days, if I remember correctly. I'm not – Quite sure if I got that. Well, they could have all done it actually, probably in in less than three weeks. Yeah, I've heard eleven days. Well, if you've heard that, then who would I be to contradict? No, I know. I've heard all kinds of things that wouldn't be right. But I'm thinking about when the first guys arrived, let's say Israel. If everybody just stayed on track, that the last guys would still be coming out of Egypt. Right. Yeah. We are talking about moving two million people plus. So what? So we're not just talking about one guy's journey. I guess. I suppose. So anyway, they started off on what should have been a relatively short journey. Should have been. And it ended up costing them forty years. And you know, the word in Hebrew isn't. It's not called enough. Numbers. Uh-huh. It's called Bar Midbar. Bar Midbar. Uh-huh. That must mean uh-huh. sun. No. Bar is in no, bar. Bar Mid. Bar Mid. Okay. Not Bar. Okay. It means wilderness. Okay. Now, the contradiction is where are they headed back to? The Garden of Eden, hopefully. Israel, Jerusalem, the Garden the of Eden. The land of milk and That's honey. Now, the, co- and the contrast yeah. that we should be picking up on is the difference between a cultivated garden and the wilderness. They're traveling through the wilderness. You got that contradiction there, you see. All right. So there should have been a short trip. And now we could answer some questions, the big overall questions about what is the book all about? You know, if you had to kind of summarize, like we were talking about the book of Matthew there, and I tried to give a little bit of a a little bit of a summary, and at least from the point of view of Christology, about Jesus, the Messiah, and so on. Uh, tell us a little bit, the book of wanderings, uh, or, or did you say well, the Greeks, wilderness, you said, the right? Greeks, mm-hmm. they looked and they read it and they concentrated on the numberings, the census. Mm-hmm. So they said, well, we'll call it numbers. So everybody knows it as the book of numbers now. But officially, it's by made by wilderness. But numbers is what we all know it as, uh-huh. and it's because of the fact there were two times in the book, at the beginning and toward the end of the book, that uh-huh. they they uh-huh. took a census of the uh, men, particularly the fighting men of the 
of the nation. Well, let's uh, take a look at one of your, right, your questions. It. All right. Uh, you said, uh, look at your question three. Uh-huh. The first census in Numbers was taken in preparation for what? Numbers chapter 1, verses 2 through 4, right at the beginning. Uh, they're told well, let's, to, let's take a look at that. Count, you count, let's, I told you before count the all started. Many, count all the feet and then divide by two, right? That was the uh, idea. You could do that, assuming <laughs> that everybody only had two feet. Yeah, that's right. You can't. Uh, but, um, <laughs> or had at least two feet. <laughs> well, that's what I'm saying. So, yeah. But let's take a look. Okay, and I told you for the show we're going to have to do, I said math, you corrected me, say it's, you said it's arithmetic, so we're going to test you on arithmetic. Okay. All right? All right, let's take a look. All right. Would you be kind enough, why don't you do this for us, would you mind? Mm-hmm. Why don't you, if you don't mind, read the from that, do you have a Bible with you this evening? <laughs> Of course, yes. Oh, I, you're I, I looking know. at me. Right? No, no, I, I see the one you're reading, but I was wondering if you had a Bible. Uh-huh. Uh, that, oh, boy, that's uh, But at any rate, that's a joke. It's over. Uh-huh. Would you, why don't you read the first two verses, and let's see if we can take something. And tonight, let's give another understanding to these numbers. A year after Israel's departure from Egypt, the Lord spoke to Moses in the tabernacle in the wilderness of Sinai, of Sinai. On the first day of the second month of that year, he said, from the whole community, he said, from the whole community of Israel, record the names of all the warriors by their clans and families. List all the men 20 years old or older who are now able to go to war. You and Aaron must register the troops and you will Wait be minute, assisted. You're, you're, is that one and two? Oh, I'm down into chapter. Well, I thought we. I now. thought we should. You know, I had a friend who was a financial guy, and uh, I'd give him a book to read, and he'd read the first couple of chapters, and then go read the last chapter, and I'd say, "What are you doing?" He said, "Well, I read uh, start and how it ends. I got the book." And I said, "No, no, no. The understanding is in the journey. <laughs> You've got to know what happened in the middle. So why you understand why the well, end verse came two up. ends with the words list all the men,' uh-huh. and then verse three says twenty years old or older. Well, yeah, but verse three. I don't want to do that. I want to do something else. Okay." Let's look at verse 2, uh-huh. and this is a more traditional way of translating, if I may. Go for it. Take a sentence of the entire assembly of the children of Israel. Now, that tells us the entire assembly, the children. That includes men and women. Okay. According to their families, according to their father's household, comma, by the number of the names, every male according to their head count. So the head count was the male head. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, the whole idea is, this is the idea. As Christian preachers I love, love to talk about is that Satan, he must destroy the family. Mm-hmm. See, in the Jewish concept, and we're going to see this in a couple of minutes, the, a family is especially a husband and wife is one complete unit. So you count the man, you count the woman. So anybody mistranslates because of their own, perhaps, sensitivity, they're not appreciating that the idea that a man and woman are only half of the whole. Each, both have to be there. So when it says, Hmm. of the entire assembly, and does your version use the word by the number of the names? In verse 2. Record the names of all the warriors by their Uh, clans and families. See, it doesn't use the number, does it, in your version? Mm, No. Okay. 
So, and this is what it actually says. It says, of their father's household, comma, by the number of the names, comma. Now, we're all familiar that people love to do this translation, try to figure out, like in the book of Revelation, uh, 666, who mm-hmm. is that? And they do these mathematically. What is the number of your name? Well, mm-hmm. yes, but you see, I want to change that. Right because now, Hebrew letters I, have no, a numeric they, value, Yes, right? they do, and that's where people go astray. So, so every Hebrew is also numbers. So I can add a word, I can subtract a word. So if I take a word that's worth 400, I subtract a word that's worth 300, I have another word that's worth 100. But I, So you can add and subtract the language. I oh. mean, these folks have a lot of time on their hands to make that kind of language. And by the way, I'm we have a number. enough with just the language by itself without well, the addition. And okay, so but speaking of a number, tonight's uh-huh. number on the self uh, to call into the show should somebody want to. Yes. What what would that be? Two ten is the area code. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Ah, excellent. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Yeah, and, and we'd love to have you call in and be a part of the program uh-huh. with us. Or, uh, but now. When it says the number of the names. So we all want to go back and say, okay, so we know that Hebrew letters are numbers. So let's decipher, as like in the book of Revelation, people are so fascinated by, the number 666. Uh That's not what that's referring to. Let's change it for the whole world here tonight. Okay. At at least for the non-Jewish world. Okay? I'm ready. Okay. It says the number of the names, right? Uh Uh-huh. Now, we know that uh, God is commanding a census, right? Right. Right. And we know that David, elsewhere in the Tanakh, Mm -hmm. he gets in a jam because he takes a census, right? Right. And Joab, who is I really personally like, if I ever had the millions of dollars, I'd make a movie called Joab. At any rate, so we know he gets in a jam because he does a census. Well, why is David doing it and God doing it? Huh? David does it and gets in trouble, right. and God does it here, Moses right. does it, and Well, who's going to blame no God, problem. right? Yeah, okay, yeah. but the, what's the difference? The key is in the word number of the names. Oh, really? That's why. It, what is being taught here? God was teaching Moses, and Moses was teaching that the Jews, and by extension, this would apply to human beings, uh-huh. but right here, that the extensions of people cannot be counted because you're reducing people to a number. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, what, and if they read this, and they say by the number of the names, the initial reading of that would mean, well, I'm going to line up everybody and I'm going to count, you know, this is Bob and Joe and Fred. There's three, right? Uh-huh. Uh, that's not what that means. And the re- this is the importance of bi- biblical literacy. Okay. Biblical literacy. May I show you? Please. Okay. Let's go over and see how God meant this. Would you like to see how this is explained? Yeah. Do you still have a Bible? <laughs> um, okay. Would you be kind enough to look with me uh-huh. over at, uh, let's see, Exodus. Let's say... Uh, We're going backwards now. Well, we are, because you see, when a guy's reading numbers, and it says the number of the names, these people understood what it meant. Okay. We're running around here saying, oh, I know what that means, and you have no idea what okay. it means because you haven't read it. Okay. Not you. What I mean, chapter but, in Exodus? Well, let's go back, and let's take a look at, uh, I believe it's chapter uh, uh, it's chapter 30. Oh, wow. 
toward the end of the book. Well, let's, we're going to use that. It's more than once, but here's a nice explanation. Exodus. And the, it's going to explain how, in this particular example, how Jews are supposed to be counted. By okay. extension, all human beings. But Chapter in, 30, uh, verse would you be kind eleven? Of, no, let's go through uh, eleven to sixteen, and that would be eleven to sixteen. I got That'd it. That'd be eleven to sixteen. Okay. Then the Lord said to Moses, "Whenever you take a census of the people of Israel, each man who is counted must pay a ransom for himself to the Lord. Then no plague will strike the people as you count them." Each person who is counted must give a small piece of silver as a sacrifice offering to the Lord. This payment is half a shekel based on the sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 geras. All who have reached their 20th birthday must give this sacred offering to the Lord. When this offering is given to you, to the Lord, to purify your lives, making you right with him, the rich must not give more than the specified amount, and the poor must not give less. Mm-hmm. Receive this ransom money from the Israelites and use it for the care of the tabernacle. It will bring the Israelites to the Lord's attention, and it will purify your lives. And I'll add, in it by simple addition and subtraction, it will tell you how many 20-year-old and older males you have in your country. Okay. <laughs> now, we have, so just, that's the way you're we to have just been told... What number of names means. Mm-hmm. Number of names. Each person gives the smallest coin of the realm, a half shekel. A shekel was a coin, like a penny. You take half a penny, so I say. This gets repeated by Jesus when he talks about the woman that gives her little coins uh-huh. into the temple. She's doing this. She's being counted. So... That's why he says, she'll always be remembered, he says. Uh-huh. Why? Because she's being counted. So you, you count out, each person gives their half shekel, okay? And then you count the item, the shekel. You do not count the people, because that demeans people to a number, you see? Mm-hmm. So we're now going back, we go back and we look. And when it says in chapter 1 of Numbers, it says the number of the names. Uh If you know the terms that we were taught in Exodus, then you realize, oh, I don't count the human beings. I don't count their names. Each person gives a half shekel. Then I count the items. That's how much. Now, what did David do wrong? He was counting people. He reduced them to a number. I got it. Okay, now. Let's see if we can. You sure you got it? I do. Okay. I do. okay. So they did this at the very beginning, and they came out with I mean some pretty specific out and numbers, just very exact numbers from the. Well, let's see. And now, the, from can, the clans. Can, continuing on, continuing on. You're going to love this, and this is the arithmetic for you. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. Look, in chapter one, it gives us in verse forty-six the total. Of the countings. Yep. Of the countings of what? The half shekels. 603,550. Now remember that number. Okay. Okay. Now remember that number. (coughs) Got it. Now, how many people were counted in Exodus? Mm, Was that told to us? (laughs) We just looked at it, didn't we? Chapter 30, you Mm. said? It was 30. 
Okay, but it, it told us the formula. In yeah, it 30, told us the formula uh-huh. there. It said a half see. shekel, right? And let me ask you this to help you out a little bit. What are you supposed to do with these half shekels? What do you do with them according to Exodus? <clears throat> you use them to get your car washed, you probably hear. So I don't know. Either a Peter Piper pizza. Yeah, yeah. It's go. got a little, it says Rocky on yeah, it. Yeah, uh-huh. All right, now. Uh, does it tell us here the, the total? The uh, this is where the arithmetic I want you to do. Oh, okay. So it tells you what we're going to use these half shekels to make the sockets and the items for the tabernacle. That's right. Uh-huh, okay? uh-huh, uh-huh. So we're going to take these half shekels. And first, before I go there, I want to ask, did you notice what you read? It said, a poor person cannot give less, a rich person cannot give more. Do you understand why? Because a poor person is not worth less than a rich person. It's They're good. both... That's yeah, that that's fundamental. Did I get it right, teacher? Well, yeah, fundamentally. Okay. Uh, and the idea is is that no rich person who could afford to give more can come and say, I built more in this temple than you did. Uh-huh. Nobody has a greater stake because all people are equal. Okay. They all have a great stake, which uh-huh. you were surmising right there. All right? You right? That's okay. good. Um, that's what I meant to say. All right, so, well, you did it perfectly, I thought. <laughs> Okay, Soapy's, Soapy now gets a bell. I get a bell. Every time you say something good, mm-hmm. an angel gets its wings. Uh, okay. Yeah. okay <laughs> or so, something like that. Now, okay, now, we know this was used to make the tabernacle. Okay. And especially, That's right. especially used in the sockets. Okay? Uh-huh. So. The electrical sockets? Sure. And, and there were, and there was actually, it was the stockings everybody wore. Oh, okay. Sockets. Uh-huh. The little socks. Yeah. So, okay, anyway. So let, I want to show you something. Okay, show Look, me something. Are you still back in Exodus? I still am. Look at uh, 3826. Oh, 38. Let's go forward. No, I wanted you to get the formula. Yeah. And we're not. they don't give us a number, but they tell us how many pieces were used to make the socket. And if each one gave it, we now know the number. So look in 3826. Uh, 26, okay. Uh, there it, it is. Give us right a there? number. The whole community of Israel gave 7,545 pounds of silver. Oh, you said 20 what? I said 38, 26. 26. Okay, that was 25. This silver came from the tax collected from each man registered in the census. The tax is one beka, which is half a shekel, based on the sanctuary shekel. The tax collected was... Six hundred and three thousand five hundred and fifty men. Now, wait a minute. You just read that number. You said I did. Six oh three five fifty, right? Like magic. Uh-huh. Now, let's go back to numbers. <clears throat> okay, I did. Look, chapter one, verse forty six. Yep. There it is. Same number. Same number. Now how could this possibly be? Because well, let me just give you a couple things that's happened. Nobody the, died? Oh, or the same number were born that died? Well, let's go back. There's other things that happened. Okay. We had the golden calf incident. Yeah. We had people that were one half of one percent yeah. died. Uh-huh. So and it was all Jews, no Gentiles. Uh-huh. So one half of one percent is actually what the Levites killed. So but the Levites are no longer now numbers and then no, the Levites are not counted among the tribes. Now That's right. this is a very important in Exodus. There is no distinction of tribes. Uh, right. It's all just all of Israel. Uh-huh. Okay. 
That's so they got that number. Now, in numbers, we're for the first time, we're using tribes, and it delineates the numbers of the tribes. Yeah, it does. It gives them by tribe. Yeah, Simeon, but, Gad, Judah, right, Issachar. All the tribes, all yeah. the tribes. And so you end up with the same number. But you've had people die, and That's people right. under 20 weren't counted. But yet here it is. Did the people want to criticize the Bible? Uh-huh. They come back and they say, "Oh well, obviously this was a constructed idea by somebody just wanting to duplicate the number." Someone just made this up. Yeah, because if the Levites are not no longer going to be counted among all of Israel, which they were in Exodus, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so you're taking that large group out, and then you're you've got some deaths, you've got some births. And then you've got people who at the first Rosh Hashanah mm-hmm. were, only, were under 20, but at the next Rosh Hashanah a year later, they will be over 20, so they shall be counted. Right. Now, so, and now the Levites aren't counted, but you come out. With, with the same number. With the same number. So there's a message that we're being taught here. Either, either this was mani- manipulated to come out like this, is what the critics would say, mm-hmm. or... Or, uh, it's true. Or, uh, or it's true, and then if it's true, it means that I'm 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 trying to guess here. What there was something about the first children belonging to God. I'm wondering if that figures into this. Well, in okay. Any way. Remember when the Levites uh, <laughs> defended God and. Uh, they could do the Moses do a line. And they became, this is the golden calf incident. Yeah, they became the tribe of the priestly tribe. The, the, but the, who did they replace? Is what you were trying to draw. They, repla- they replaced the the firstborn child of every right. Hebrew family that was supposed to be given unto the Lord based on the Passover. That, the, the, well, okay, let's leave it right there so okay. we don't confuse people. Okay. The firstborn child in the family is supposed to be dedicated that, to the Lord. Well, the or, priest, the priest of that family. Yeah. So, uh, what happened is the Levites had distinguished themselves, and so what happened is they kind of took that position of being the priest generally, uh-huh. as opposed to the firstborn. So that's where the transaction takes place. Now, what's interesting is, is that uh, with the Levites are, are no longer counted among all of Israel; they're counted separately. So there has to be. Because it took the place of the firstborn. Uh-huh. There has to be enough Levites to replace the firstborn that were not there, you uh-huh, see. Uh-huh. Now, you follow me? So okay. if there's uh, ten firstborn, then you got to have sure they should have ten Levites to take their place, right? Right. Well, and that's exactly how the, how the arithmetic works. So, is that how we came yes. out with the and same when you, number? So when you go back, when you go back and you start looking at the tribes, you'll notice there's an increase in some tribes. One tribe decreases, uh-huh. but the tribes work out so it comes out to be mathematically the same number. Now, I don't want to get into this too much, but there's also a reference. There's a hidden reference here about the number of letters in the Torah. So, oh boy. So, but. I'm not going to get into that because I, I want to stick and focus on what we're talking about. Okay. So we know that we have this number, yet we know there's births to replace some deaths. We know that the Levites are not counted among them. And so, but for every replacement, there had to be, you take out a firstborn, you got to have a Levite yeah. to take its place. Yeah. 
Okay, so you see how this is starting to work? Uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, uh-huh. so now there's some there's some really good stuff going on here. This is why the Greeks wanted to call it numbers, because they were working with the numbers, as opposed to working with uh-huh. theology. Wow. All right? That is pretty remarkable, actually. Well, this means that uh, they actually increased the numbers of each tribe. So now we know that the tribes themselves... Because if you did not have the Le- if you had the Levites counted, you'd still come out with the same number because they only replaced the firstborn. Yeah. Now, there, what happened is we find out that there's they're missing just a few. This is one of our arithmetic questions. Okay. So they they had enough increase in the other tribes, a total increase, not yes, every tribe. That increased, is correct. Yes. To make up for the loss of the. The exact number of the loss of the Levites that were counted in the first census, but now they're gone. That, that, and it turned out to be the exact replacement. It, 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 not exact, but I'm going to tell you because you're going. You talked about. You read a verse in there about giving a shekel uh-huh. and that kind of stuff. So what happens is. The ones they were lacking were redeemed with five shekels, but that's how we get the five shekel business. That's even done today. Wow. Beautiful song. I love this particular hymn, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Uh, we will be right back. This time is flying by. We're going to have to move quickly and get through some more chapters of Numbers, right? And kind of well, get in. Should, and... uh, yeah, but I thought, you know, the journey, the understanding is in the journey, oh, not, yeah. not arriving at the end. Yeah, and I, and I think that was so crucial to understand that. Well, we have one more segment coming up. Stay with us, folks. Give us a call if you'd like, 210-340-9585, and the Bible line will continue right after this short, short break. Don't go away. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. is brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. It's the start of a new decade. The world continues to change every day. New ideas, new technology, new philosophies about life. But one thing isn't new, and it's not going away. That's temptation. And a New Year's resolution might not be enough to help you fight it. I know that there are some young people listening to my voice who have asked a thousand times with Paul, who will get me over these habits? Who will take these temptations from me? Billy Graham. Christ is our hope, and the very fact that we have broken the law drives us to the cross, and his blood on the cross can cleanse away from all sin and stain. But more, he can give you supernatural power to overcome this temptation. Will you put your trust and your confidence in Jesus Christ today? You can learn more about how Jesus can help you fight temptation now and throughout the new year. Go to findpeacewithgod.net. We're the Billy Graham Evangelistic Association. Don't let your home be invaded this season with rats and mice. 
Keep them away the most humane way with plug-in pest-free, 100% chemical-free, totally safe for your family and pets and environmentally friendly. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest-Free, the electromagnetic pest control device that has been scientifically tested and consumer-proven since 1995. Now that's fair income. With a 60-day money-back guarantee and a two-year manufacturer's warranty, what have you got to lose? Stop inviting unwanted rodents and pests in with baits. Say goodbye to traps and start saving money today with Plug-in Pest-Free. Order yours now at gopestfree.com and save 20% with promo code SAVE20. That's gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Are you ready to start saving money? gopestfree.com, promo code SAVE20. Don't spray and regret, plug in and forget. AM630, the word.com. And on ChristianRadio.com. Tune in and the iHeartRadio app. AM630, the word. KSLR, San Antonio. A division of Salem Media Group. Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me. When the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. All right, we are back. We're trying to get our final segment in here. This is fascinating. Jacob, what you talking well, to us about I, I this think it's book of numbers? I and, think it's important for people to understand this. Uh-huh. So let's take a quick look, if we may. Okay. Would you be kind enough to look with me in? Uh, I want to look at two things. Uh-huh. Let's jump over to chapter 3. All right. Making progress here. Numbers chapter right. 1, chapter 2, and now chapter 3. Now, would you be good enough to read verse 1 in chapter 3? This is the family line of Aaron and Moses as it was recorded when the Lord spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai. Now, wait a minute. Look what that says. This is the used version. It says family line. Uh, these are the children, the offspring of Moses and Aaron. Uh-huh. But it lists Aaron first, doesn't it? Aaron and Moses. Yeah, so it lists Aaron. So, but then we look at verse 2, and it gives, these are the sons of Aaron, the first. Nadab, the oldest. But it says the sons. I want to point out something to you. Uh-huh. This is the importance of a good preacher, a good rabbi. This is what this is about. So it says it's Aaron. He's the real father, and we're going to learn in verse 2. But it says these are the children of Aaron and Moses. These people that's going to be named are not the child, biological children of Moses. They're the biological children of Aaron. Of Aaron, okay. So why does it start out by saying these are the children, the offspring of Aaron and Moses? And well, then it names the children of Aaron. I don't know. Because what it's teaching you is a person that teaches you Torah, that teaches you the Bible correctly. Uh-huh. They are like your parent. 
Uh, they teach you something. So it lists Aaron because he's the biological wow. kid, and then it starts saying, but that line is always, always, always has been taught and meant among the Jews to mean if you're teaching somebody the Bible, you're like their parent. Oh, isn't that sweet? I like that. Well, you should. I had a plumber in our house today, and uh, I liked the guy a lot. I, I could tell he's a man who had had and some problems in his life. you talked to him about life. the Bible? And I did, and, yeah. and we had a good time of fellowship yeah. and You'll encouraged him. you be doing him. the adoption papers So. <laughs> Well, when you when you do this as a lifestyle, uh, as I have for fifty years, that that really does kind of encourage me a lot. Wow, that's good. Sure. That's good. Okay, now I want to look at something else. Now you read before when you were reading something, you said you, t- you count the people from what twenty and above, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Now staying in chapter three, you look over at verse forty. Oh, verse forty. I have changed pages here, but. Then the Lord said to Moses, Now count all the firstborn sons in Israel who are one month old uh, or older, uh, and make a list of their names. Uh, and take a census of their names. Uh-huh. A census of names. Is, you're, right, you're writing their name, but each name. See, when a guy comes up and he gives a shekel or a half shekel, he's, he's saying, What's your name? Hey, my name's Bob. Okay, throw in your half shekel. He throws in his half shekel. Now you're going to count those shekels, but you're doing it by the number of the shekels of his name. <laughs> so when they're talking about, like in the book of Revelation, hey, what is 666? They're not talking about how do we define the numbers that Hebrew is. They're talking about something else. But I've, that'll be later in one okay, of my, yeah. in my book. Okay. When, when we wind around so, back to the book of Revelation. Right. So here what we got is... The number, count the firstborn. I remember before you read it said something about reading 20 and above. Here uh-huh. it's going down to the one month, one month and older. or older, older. Ah, now we're finding out another how we're including all those people to find out how they equal the exact number of the Levite priest to replace the firstborn. You see? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So we're starting to put this picture together. We're starting to understand how this came about. Now, I would like you, if you'd be kind, I know you'd like to move on. Right? Yes, you Yeah, yeah, as you wish. As I wish. Well, you're guiding us through the wilderness here. Uh-huh. Well, let's... You're, you're guiding us through the wanderings. Through... Okay. First, I numbers. want <laughs> I want to do something else. Okay. Let's take a look at uh, what we got here. Um, we'll take a look over in chapter 5 and verse 7 and 8. All right. Now, this talks about, we know that the law is given. If I steal something from you, I steal a hundred bucks. I'm supposed to give you your hundred bucks back? And we're even, right? No, because that just means that if I get caught, the worst that can happen is I got to make it right. Not the, not the rule. So, if I steal a hundred bucks, I give you a hundred bucks back. But then I do to myself what I did to you, I take a hundred bucks of my money, I got to give you pay a double. But what if you're dead? Whoa, you're dead. And what about if you don't have a relative I can give it to? Well, in verse chapter 5, verse 7 and 8, it tells us how we're going to make a correction. Would you care to read it? I don't know who knows sure, 7 saying. and 8. They must confess their sin and make full restitution for what they have done adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wronged. But if the person who was wronged is dead and there are no near relatives to whom restitution can be made, the payment belongs to the Lord and must be given to the priest. Ah, so 
If I'm going, if you, if I stole the hundred bucks from you, I give you a hundred back. I give you a hundred from me. If I do not have a hundred because I was a thief, I'm poor, then I will work off not two hundred, but I just work off the one hundred, and you teach me Torah while I'm doing that. But if you're dead, or your family's dead, and I don't have somebody to pay that money to, then I give the hundred dollars plus only twenty, but to the priest. You see, uh-huh. so it starts making sense. Uh-huh. This has all been thought through and worked out. Okay, sure, go. Yeah, I'm right. getting it. All right. Now, are you going to repeat uh, what you told us earlier about? Hang on. What was it you said? I don't to know. Me, it was so. It, uh, it was so fascinating. Anyway, keep going. I'll okay, remind well, you. I, well, here's what I want to do first. And in the interest of time, we can go back if you'd like to. But maybe you'd like to look at your ver- your your uh, your question number twenty. Uh huh. It is what concession was made for people who were ceremonially unclean or traveling on the day set aside for Passover. Uh-huh. Chapter nine, right? Yes, chapter nine. And uh, you've got, uh, I don't know what verses you have there. Let's see. On 20, you got verses, oh, okay. You got 9 11. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there were, we have Passover. It's the. We have uh, Passover. Uh, yeah. The, uh, so we have that. And we know what they're supposed and to do on Passover. And that's a commandment. Yeah. You have to do it. But there's a problem. Some people are traveling. They're not home. They're no, on business. Oh, that's not the problem. Oh, okay. You still keep Passover. You're traveling. Okay. All right. Wow. Let's see. Starting at um, let's see. Let's read nine verse six. Okay. Verse six says some kind of an exception, I think. But some of the men who had been ceremonially defiled by touching a dead body, Ah. they had had a death in the family, they had a funeral or something. So the people that could not keep Passover, they were ceremoniously uh-huh. de- uh, unclean because uh-huh. so, they maybe they had to bury their parents, uh-huh. maybe their brother, maybe a child. They could not celebrate the Passover so, that day. They came to Moses and Aaron and said, we have become ceremonially unclean by this situation. Why should we be prevented from presenting the Lord's offering at the proper time with the rest of the Israelites? And Moses, like a good preacher, says, uh, wait here. I need to go talk to the Lord about this. <laughs> okay. Stand here, and I'll talk and see what God says. Okay? Uh-huh. And look what it says. And if you would like, I would like you to, would you be, now it's important you, you do it this way. Uh-huh. Uh, would you be good enough to read 9 through, uh, let's see, 9 through 12? This was the Lord's reply to Moses. Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people now or in the future generations are ceremonially unclean at Passover time because of touching a dead body, or if they are on a journey and cannot be present at the ceremony, they may still celebrate the Lord's Passover. They must offer the Passover sacrifice one month later at twilight on the 14th day of the second month. Ah. They must eat the Passover lamb at that time with their bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Okay, so... The disqualification is, if I'm traveling, I can still do Passover. Uh-huh. I can still do the week of unleavened bread. But if I, let's say, I, I, I ran across the person that's dead and nobody's going to bury him. I'm expected to do good, even on Yom Kippur. So I, I have to do the service of burying that person. That's the right thing to do. Uh-huh. 
Jewish law is that you always help a person no matter what day it is. So now, so I, a second Passover was established, and this is the second Passover. You'll recognize this in the Gospels, dealing with Jesus, he feeds the 5,000, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. In that 5,000 was not just Jews. Trust me, I'm going to explain something. Uh-huh. That was anybody who believed in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Jacob. Uh-huh. Okay, That would uh-huh. be even a non-Jew. Even a guy from Australia or an Apache. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So, that was the 5,000. And then we know that Jesus feeds the 4,000, right? I know what the standard Christian... Was it a month later? It would be, yes. Oh, my lands. And so what you're looking at, you're looking at these people. There were a lot of people in Israel being killed mm-hmm. by the Romans. Mm-hmm. So a lot of them are defiled. So, because, you know, they had to bury because you never mix life and death on your food, your table, or in your life and existence. They're two separate things. That's why it says the famous line, do not boil a kid, a goat, in his mother's, milk. mother's milk. Why? Because mother's milk gives life to babies. Uh-huh. You don't take something meant for life and use it for death. Mm. You don't do that. Yeah. So here's the guy. So let's say. I love you, that passage, by the way. I have something to say about it. But okay. But so what happens is, in the story with Jesus, he does mm. the 4,000 later. Among those 4,000 would be Jews. And those who are not Jews, they are all included in the 5,000 or even the, uh, the 4,000. Either one. But you have the first and the second. Those, that's Passover. Uh-huh. That's the first and the second Passover. Got it. Okay. Now, I'd like you to do this for me. Still saying in Chapter 9 of Numbers, I'm going to show you exactly. Look at verse 14. Okay. Can I day one th- say just one quick thing? Oh, Tell I would think, things. yeah. Then I could Remember what I read about before about Matthew how they eat the Passover lamb? That, that, they must not leave any of the lamb until the next morning. They must not break any of its bones. I mean, these are the same instructions he gave for the first Passover, right? Exactly, exactly so. Uh, and interestingly, I just want a quick little think about oh, yes. the emphasis on do not leave any of the lamb, and you must not break any of its bones. And, and a lot of times in the... In the New Testament, we're told that that's why none of Jesus' bones were broken on the cross. Okay. Remember, they came and broke the legs of the two thieves right. to hasten their death. Right. But since Jesus was already dead, they didn't. They didn't. They right. speared him in the side. They didn't break his bones. Right. Kind of interesting little sideline. No, it's, it's worth okay. mentioning. Okay, now where to? Verse uh, 14. 14 says. And if foreigners living among you want to celebrate the Passover to the Lord, they must follow these same decrees and regulations. The same laws apply both to native-born Israelites and to the foreigners living among you. May I offer a different translation? Yes. Okay. Verse 14. When a convert shall dwell with you, in other words, believing in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Like Rahab, like uh, Ruth. Sure. So uh, he shall make the Pesach offering, the Passover offering, to the Lord according to the decree of the Passover mm-hmm. and its law. So shall he do. One decree shall be for you, for the proselyte, and for the native of the land. So it includes those that are Jews, those are not Jews. But they all participate. But there is a requirement. 
They can't go out and be as somebody that offers their child to a different religion like a temple prostitute, you see. Uh-huh, uh-huh. They've got to be somebody that buys into the idea of one God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Then you can have the Passover. And so the 5,000 the 4,000 are the two Passovers. Oh, I'll, I'll be. That's very interesting. Yeah, we just do you like that, that? Matthew? I do. I think that's a very – I'll have to look in my Bible and, and kind of see if that – kind of works out there in the New Testament. Are there any indications of that in the New Testament passage? Uh, but I, yeah, I suspect there might be. I'm, you well, don't usually I'm, go I'm, off I'm pretty, half. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable with You that, don't yeah. usually go off with half-truth. I bet, it, I bet it's no, I It's bet usually it's about good. 10%. Pretty dependable. Okay. Well, good, good, good. So now what we've got is we begin to understand how these numbers work and uh-huh. why the Greeks thought the numbers were important. Yeah. And you see. It's all about numbers, isn't it, really? Well, and, and you see, but it's not the numbers. It's no. the people that are important. And the lessons that are being taught through the numbers exactly. to us. Yeah. So we've learned that uh, it's coming out the same, but we've also learned that it went all the way down to the month of firstborn. Oh, I know what I was going yes. to have you mention. Okay. Is that number 603,550 oh. is the exact number of letters in Torah. the Torah. Yeah, so... Now, <laughs> Which when you said that, I went, that's amazing. Well, 600, and, and you guys know, I mean, you guys, I mean, y'all yeah, been, guys. Y- you've been counting the num- letters in this Torah for, what, 5,000 years now, or so, 4,000 or whatever. 5779, but who's counting? But who's counting, yes. And and that's the exact, the 603,550 is the exact number of letters in the Hebrew Torah. Wow, yeah. I mean, that's a double wow for me. I I, I find that when you told me that, I, I said, "Is that true? Is that really?" Ab- wow. Hmm. No wonder they call it numbers. <laughs> well, you can see why. But if you can't, I, I would the the Jews call it barmibar, which is uh-huh. wilderness. And the idea is this: in our world today, the this has always been. Not just about the Jews, but the other people the Jews are supposed exactly. to bring in. Uh-huh. So that and that was the idea of Jesus. He was bringing in people. Exactly. See. So, but the point is, is that he's also now. I want to tell you something. You want to do chapter ten, and I'm going to show you something, Soapy. And I brace yourself because you don't know this. Okay. And everybody that's listening should listen very closely. Would you be? And this is important. We do it this way. So, uh-huh. would you be good enough? To read verses 35 and 36 of 10. 35 and read it and with 30. an appropriate emphasis. Okay, 35 and 36. And whenever the ark set out, they were picking up the ark of the covenant, and they were starting to march out three days after leaving the mountain of the Lord with the you ark keep of the Lord's covenant. Don't stop that. Read the verses. As they moved on each day, the cloud of the Lord. Okay, verse 35. And whenever the ark set out, Moses would shout, Arise, O Lord, and let your enemies be scattered. Let them flee before you. Now 36. And when the ark was set down, he would say, Return, O Lord, to the countless thousands of Israel. Okay, now I want you to look at 35 and 36 in English. What you've got even in English. Uh Uh-huh. You've got 35 saying, when the ark came out, and when in 36, the ark went back. Uh-huh. What's missing between 35 and 36? What's missing? What's missing? 
If I said, Soapy, go home. And then I said, Soapy got home. The journey. The journey. The battle. The war. What's what happened on? that day when they are. All right. Now, I'm yeah. going to show you something. You'll have to verify this. I'm going to hold up the Hebrew for you. I want you to look at this. Uh-huh. You see this letter right here in the Hebrew? The, Hang on a sec. Okay. I'm focusing. You it's see? Little, yeah. Okay. That's a backwards noon. It's a letter. Uh-huh. It's larger than all the others. Uh-huh. And I've, I I've, see that. Okay. All right, so you can verify it's here in the Hebrew, right? Uh-huh, right there it is. All right, and that's between 35 and 36. So 35 and 36. You yeah. with me? You've got it circled in red. Okay, okay, I want you to see it. Now, even logically, when you read it in 35 and 36 in English, you can see the R comes out, it goes back, well, what happened in between? Yeah. Well, this is in the Hebrew, and it's telling the Jewish reader with a letter that's enlarged and turned backwards uh-huh. that something's missing. And you're supposed to say, wait a minute. But see, you'll catch it more in the Hebrew because, you see, it's, a sure. lar- uh-huh. it's larger and turned backwards. And it's in every Hebrew scroll. But in English, when you read it in 35, and the ark would come out. We don't have that little backwards letter. Or no, whatever. you don't. So, But if you read it, and once somebody points it out to you, you can read it and get the logic, the ark comes out, 35, 36. And when it rested, what happened in between? Uh-huh. Ah. So, there's many explanations as to what's happening. Would that be the adventure, the battle, the journey? Something the... is happening in between 35 and 36. The ark comes out, <laughs> the ark goes back. Uh, the most popular understanding is that it's what the Christians like to refer to as the final battle, the uh, Megiddo. Uh, Armageddon. Armageddon, thank you. And uh, so there's an understanding that this is a future idea. The ark will come out, the word of God. Uh-huh. And when it rests, everything's done. And that's what it's understood. And see, it's always been, always, that's what I'm showing you in the Hebrew, so you can verify to the listeners, uh-huh. that it's right there. It's enlarged twice as large there, as there it is, yeah. and turned backwards, so that the Hebrew reader says, wow, I'm being told something. We know for sure, that we know for sure it's drawing our attention to it, and that there's something messing between coming out and resting. Isn't that fascinating? It really is. It really is. I, I wonder, it, it would that could that be taken to mean in an individual life, the 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 you know the the in between? I, I remember my wife always talked about. Uh, she heard us saying that, uh, like if you look on the tombstone, it says somebody was is born and died. Born and died. And, sure. And, yeah. and, and, yeah. and it, it says that the year they were born, the year they were dying, it's got the little dot or this little dash yeah, in between. Yeah. It, you know, and that dash was their life. Their life, yeah. That's their Could story. Could that be the idea yes. as well? Perfect. It's perfect. Because that dash is their life, everything they did. That's like when I was talking about my friend. He reads the first chapter and the last, so they know what happened. I say, no, what happened? To, it's the journey that teaches you. <laughs> so that dash you're referring to? That's when they had. They went to work every day. They had children. That was their life. But so what we, you've got this. That's a great. That's a good analogy because that exactly. That's why I wanted you to see it because it's uh-huh. in the heat. It's right there. It's always been there. And if you if I slow you down enough to read thirty five and thirty six, you can catch it even uh, in in syntax uh-huh. in the thirty five and thirty six in English. The yeah. art comes out. 36, it goes back. What happened in between? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was it saying? I think it, life life is one brief moment uh, between two vast eternities. 
What are you going to do with your moment? Yeah. Well, <laughs> how will you spend your moment? You know, uh, I've always liked that thought, and that that is a beautiful, beautiful. Uh, so we did example. get through uh, chapter ten. We did make it. You you did it. I just can't believe. I'm so glad you were along with us through these passages. I mean, we can read them, and and if you just read the the story itself, it's interesting, but it's filled with a lot of details and things that we go, well, yeah, I don't know. That's not that's not so interesting. But when you fill it with these backgrounds, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, when you when you know this understanding behind it, behind the story, it really does fill it with meaning. Uh, we'll I pick hear up music. On it again. I hear music. Yep. And laughter in the air. We're anyway. going to continue to the book of uh, always, Numbers. Right, and I want to say my, week. my last thing. You betcha. Always be the kind of person you would like to have for a parent. All right, folks. And join with us this week. Uh, our reading schedule takes us the rest of the way through the book of Numbers. And uh, then we'll come back next week and talk about it and converse and share with you about it. And you can call in as well and be a part with what you discovered. God bless you, folks. Have a great week. Restore the Bible to our culture. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box 18888. San Antonio, Texas, 78218. Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on The The Bible Bible Live Live Quiz Show. Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast. You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to America and the world.